0: Welcome to this, your very special September episode of The Smug Buds. I'm Liz, and I'm here with my beloved uh, pod co-host, Will. How are you?
1: Hi, I'm Will. I'm good. Hi, Liz. How are you?
0: <laughs> I'm very tired. I had a very busy day, but I'm good. I'm very
1: what... excited to hear a very special episode of the, of the podcast. Well, I'm it's very saying.
0: special because it's my birthday month
1: yes indeed and and since i since this is the only episode of the month, I would take this opportunity to say happy birthday to you
0: Oh, thank you mm-hmm. <laughs> It's also a month of birthdays because we went to a child's birthday party today mm. and then next weekend it's it's Elliot's birthday party um and then the weekend after that, we have these friends that are twins, and it's their birthday party wow and then the week after that I'm going to be seeing you in person.
1: That's true.
0: Uh our Devotee of the Pod is getting married and I will be in Arizona for that. Um so yeah, it's it's just a it's a busy special month. I picked apples today.
1: Nice. Did you I, go someplace go for that or
0: Yeah, we went to it's a called Butler's Orchard. Mm. Um, They also have a big fall fest where they have pumpkin picking and slides and music and cider donuts. Sure. Um, But then, and this is kind of, well, I'm tired because I talked at the party the whole time. And then (laughs) then we went to the apple pick. But then there's this cidery that they always sort of advertise at the orchard, if that makes sense. They're Mm. like, go this way. And there's a cidery. And Kenny was like, I was like, we should go to that cidery. It's right here. And Kenny was like, why don't we just do it now? And I was like, okay And so we we booked it over there and I got to have a like very dry hard cider slushy hmm. oh, it was good. I love I love dry cider like dry cider is like probably one of my favorite drinks mm-hmm. um and so and I love slushies. I'm just a real a real sucker for a slushy, even the really sweet, but my, really my favorite slushy is a blue raspberry slushy.
1: Yeah, sure.
0: Um, but yeah, it was real good. But now I'm just like, you know, I had one alcohol and I'm like, I'm tired. Yeah,
1: <laughs> I can do it. I can do it too, especially in the daytime.
0: I also, um, we don't normally have plugs on this show. Mm. Um, but maybe but... we should. <laughs> I do have something to plug. I don't actually know when it's going to be out, but I'll mention it. Yeah. I was on another podcast yesterday. What? I almost feel like, I just realized as I was saying this that I hadn't mentioned this to you before, and it almost felt like I was cheating on you mm-hmm. a little
1: bit. This uh, does feel like a betrayal, <laughs> yeah.
0: Um, I very um, was very lucky to be published in Broken Lens Journal a couple months ago mm. um, with my Rutabagas poem. Mm-hmm and um adam the editor of the journal had messaged me and said hey we're going to start a podcast Do you want to be on an episode of the podcast And i was like hell yeah i'm very set up for that
2: mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> um and so he interviewed me and i i just sort of wanted to say it up front because um he was he read all my stuff will i was like every qu- he was like i've been reading your work and and then would ask like the most thoughtful question i'd ever heard in my life mm-hmm. and i was like oh my god Right. Nice. Sir. <laughs> so I don't know when that's going to be coming out, but um I did talk. He did ask um sort of a bit of a spoiler, but he did ask. He was like, "I know you're a podcaster too." And mm-hmm. I was like, "I am." And so I got to talk about you and how much I love you. Oh my gosh. And then he asked how he how I felt that um podcasting if it had affected my writing. And I said in more words than this, like, "It really helped me figure out how to write prose." mm mm-hmm. Mhm. Um, so yeah, I think I, it was a fun interview to do. I felt really confident about it. (laughs) Nice. So yeah, that's my, that's my one little upfront information for you.
1: I look forward to uh, listening to that. That's very cool.
0: Um, do you have any thoughts or pre-show information?
1: I don't think I have any thoughts whatsoever.
0: I do have one other thing, which is that, that, um, Netflix Wes Anderson is coming out soon.
1: Yeah, we can talk about that. Um, I, I guess um, all I have to say about it at this point is I have to see it and then make a decision about whether we're going to do an episode about it, which I think is likely that we are going to do.
0: Yeah, I think so, too.
1: But also, I don't want to plan it without seeing it yet because I'm open to the slight possibility that I will see it and go, I don't want to talk about this. Or I don't have enough to say about this to justify a whole episode.
0: I will say the one thing that I wanted to say about it is that I saw one sort of review and it was sort of like, this is amazing.
1: If you watch so, the, uh, tra- it's a brief trailer. It's only like a Oh minute, no, I didn't
0: know there was a trailer. Yeah, I'll look that up later.
1: There's a YouTube video. It's only like one minute, but... Yeah. They pack a lot into that 1 minute. A lot of visual, love it. a lot of visual spectacle.
0: Something I love um truly because as you know I like being a little detective is how trailers now will have a lot of really quick cut cuts with the understanding that people can look at them on YouTube and frame by frame dissect them. <laughs>
1: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, I'm a real fan of that um strategy.
1: I have I have more to say on this subject but I'm going to Hold it back for reasons that that might become obvious next month. We'll see.
0: Oh, okay. So, yeah. Well, then if you don't have, and we don't have any old business, I guess.
1: I think that's it. Mm.
0: I guess the only old business. Old business. Which is actually about Wes Anderson, is I did watch The After Party, season two.
1: Yes, right. I brought this up and you hadn't started watching it yet.
0: And it was incredible. I mean, I what a gem of a show, truly. Mm-hmm. But the yeah. Wes Anderson episode, yeah, they nailed it.
1: Totally. Uh, yeah, they could have easily had a sophomore slump doing a season two after a, a, a really well done season one. But uh, I thought that they, they pulled it off. The whole season was, uh, was really entertaining. Mm-hmm. Um, very funny, and a pretty good mystery and a great cast and the highlight of it all for me anyway, and I suspect maybe for you too was the uh was what Wes- one reason <laughs> was the Wes Anderson episode, yeah, which, as I said before um didn't get into specifics before you watched it, but I already let you know that I thought that it was a success, and mm-hmm. I'm glad you agree.
0: Yeah, I thought they did great with them. I thought they also just like nailed the musical cues. Mm-hmm. And obviously, aesthetically, it was very on point. They got like the whip pans. Yep. Right. Um, but also something that I think is very funny about something that I really like about the after party is even when they're in a genre, they will like sort of break. Not, like, just in the sort of present day, but, like, even when they're within the flashback, they'll sort of break and just do, a, like, a normal bit. And a couple of times that they did the little normal bit in the Wes Anderson part, it was in a way that was still very aware of the Wes Anderson nature of what they were doing, if that makes sense, mm-hmm. yeah. in a way that I found to be really funny and good.
1: Right. Yeah, I thought it was firing on all cylinders. I thought not only production design and framing the shots, but also the performances. And, and um, I thought it was a very clever blend of sort of direct references to like, oh, that's like right out of the Royal Tandem Bombs, but also doing the sort of general, you know, the whole aesthetic, uh, in, you know, imprinted on their own subject matter. And then this is unrelated to that particular episode, but while we're talking about the show and the season, I'll just say... The longer the season went on, mm-hmm. the less uh, Zach Woods really did new things and and, and appeared in it.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: But when the season was pretty young and I only watched like two or three episodes, I think I said like, Zach Woods is giving one of my favorite comedic performances of all time yeah. <laughs> in this show. <laughs> he, Cracked me up so much, and I think the line that I'm think- going to be thinking of forever is in the um, very uh, Pride and Prejudice type episode. Yeah. Uh, during the courtship of of Zach Woods and the and the sister, uh-huh. when um, just on the, just as a way of getting out of the scene, he says, "Look over forty grapes." <laughs> and i'm just gonna think of that every time i see grapes from now on
0: i also um just as a note it also did one of my favorite favorite things that happens in tv shows which is um having a character that naturally has an accent Mm. do a different accent yes right um And another time that this happened, and I can't remember what show this was. It was some sort of teen show. It might have been – it wasn't Euphoria, but it was, like, a similar sort of – I mean, what's similar to Euphoria? I don't know. But it was, like, a show like that. And um, at one point they had a guy um, do an Australian accent, like, for fun. But the guy is, like, actually Australian. And that shit just – oh, that's Mm -hmm. my favorite. (laughs)
1: Yeah. That's a real chef's kiss moment. Yeah. Yeah. Mm
0: Um. So yeah, what are we talking about today, Will?
1: Well, it's your episode, and you have led me to believe that you are going to talk to me about the subject of screen time.
0: Yes, for the youth. Mm. It's a parenting episode, friends. Everyone's favorite. Um, what What's your baseline with screen time? I don't know if Dana talked to you about this, because Dana actually messaged me about mm-hmm. this, asking me how I did this the other day right and i was like i'm actually this is my september episode and she was like whoa
1: yes dana told me that you had that conversation but didn't tell me in any greater detail than what you just outlined so okay uh nothing has been spoiled for me as far as your particular thoughts on the subject although i think you did tell me last time we talked that One of the reasons you wanted to do this is because you haven't seen anyone say what you think about the subject, even though my understanding is, having not really read about it, that this is being talked about and written about quite a lot by Mm -hmm. many people. And uh, yeah, since I'm not a parent, I don't have a direct baseline. I just have a vague notion that this is a topic with a lot of discourse around it. And I can understand why, because there's Mm -hmm. a lot of ways that you might parent a child around the subject of, yeah, how much are they allowed to watch television? How much are they allowed to uh, use smartphones, tablets, Mm -hmm. computers? And um, yeah, for myself, you know, most of my life is uh, screen time. Yeah. Which is bad, but um, also not something that I'm looking but to also change. Yeah. <laughs> I, I Mostly I enjoy it. So I'm not, not taking any steps to make it any different.
0: When you were a kid, um, did your... I guess this would actually be my question for the baseline. When yeah. you were a kid, did your parents have any restrictions um, or like timing type restriction like both content and time i mean i assume with content there was some like you can't watch a murder show or something but like a sex time but like (laughs) did they have any sort of rules around tv and video games
1: really not that i remember yeah like maybe they remember it differently but i would say that for me it feels like it was just kind of on a case-by-case basis yeah. Perhaps occasionally they might intervene.
0: Like, oh, in- it's bedtime, so you need to go to bed and stop.
1: Sure, yeah. yeah. Or you've been playing that game long enough, you know, or, you know, just it's dinner time, come to the dinner table, et, <laughs> et cetera. But, yeah, no, I I, I don't recall anyth- ha- ever having anything resembling a curfew mm-hmm. when it came to um my video games uh, the TV, um, I had a TV in my room for many years. Mm-hmm. Um, it was for a time, uh, a small CRT television with, uh, rabbit ear antennas. Mm-hmm. And I would, uh, make my school life, uh, much more difficult. <laughs> By uh, uh-huh. staying up to watch uh, Letterman, followed by Conan.
0: You did not. Yeah. You stayed up that late? Mm-hmm. That's so funny. That was
1: appointment television.
0: I remember when um, Lost and Battlestar Galactica were on, mm. Blake would have to stay. I mean, I think they aired at 9 or 10. Mm-hmm. But they would then be on until... 10 or 11 and I can't remember I might be saying it's a little the 10 to 11 seems maybe wrong to me but it was like later than Blake normally stayed up yeah and he would just like every week be like well this is like the one day a week that I'm going to be tired and I but it's worth it to watch the new Lost and the new Pastor Galactica right um and I was just like after a while I part of the reason I stopped watching Lost was because I was sleepy
1: (laughs) Mm -hmm. good
0: for you um yeah which I think was fine Um, yeah. So basically I couldn't find the old guidelines because the new guidelines are actually a lot more reasonable from the, um, American, uh, association. What what the hell? I never remember what this is. I always want to call it the American Pediatrics Association, but it's not that because that's, um, APA and it's not APA. It's AAP. It's okay. Let's, here we go. It's the American Academy of Pediatrics that's mm. what it is and um basically previously they had had some like pretty stringent guidelines um where you know under the idea was that like under 2 there should be no screen time mm. and um then people really parents are bad at nuance god bless them they're terrible at it and there's a lot of parents that if they hear um You shouldn't do something. They are like, you know, some parents just completely disregard it, which is probably not good, depending on what it is. And then there's parents that are just like, well, this is what the doctor said. So it looks like uh, I'm going to have to struggle my whole life for the next however many years to avoid you from seeing a screen. Mm -hmm. Um, Dana was saying that some people will hang blankets. Mm. Between the screen and the baby, so that they can watch TV with the like a baby, like a six-month-old or something. Sure. Uh which I think is insane. (laughs) Um but because of this, there's all of this talk where it's like you sort of have, I think, two camps, main camps. There are these people who are like, screen time's bad. Everybody says it's bad. Doctors say it's bad. I don't know if you've seen the doctors say it's bad, but it's bad. And so my kid's not going to do it. Kids need to be kids, blah, 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 blah. And then you have, you know, the other end of the spectrum, which is more like parents just sort of being like, whatever. And they like sort of go about it in whatever way. Um, And they don't really think about it critically either. And I'm not saying that like the middle ground is like you have an hour and then it's high quality programming because I find that to be equally restrictive. Um, But I do think that the way that we approach media is not um, useful for children because for a few reasons. So really quick, before we get like too deep into this, let me actually read to you what the american um academy of pediatrics Mm -hmm. says um and they basically say it can be tempting to want to set a number of hours on screens that is safe which they have in quotes or healthy to guide your family's technology use unfortunately there isn't enough evidence to demonstrating a benefit from specific screen time limitation guidelines for this reasons we updated our media use in 2016 these evidence-based guidelines do not give a set screen time limit that applies to all children's and teens because children and adolescents have many different kinds of interactions with technology rather than setting a guideline for specific time limits on digital media use. We recommend considering the quality of interactions with digital media and not just the quantity or the amount of time. Oh, because the other um, sort of like um, problem that I found with this is that it's another way to guilt parents. Mm-hmm. So like if your kid like I have I have friends sometimes will, which will who will say to me, oh my kid is sick she's probably getting too much screen time today and I'm like, fuck. <laughs> if your kid is sick, who gives a shit if they watch TV all day? Mm-hmm. Like literally, do whatever you like. If your kid is so sick like, that they're, like, gross or they need to rest. Like, what, do you expect them to sit there with their hands clasped over their chest and and look out the window wistfully? Like, you let them watch whatever trash they want to watch. Like, the point is that they're not thinking. You know what I mean? The point is that they're being still and resting so that their bodies can heal, which is very difficult to get little kids to do. And obviously, there's, like, varying degrees of, like, sick. And sometimes kids really can play a little bit on the floor or do a puzzle or, if they're older, read a book or something like that. Mm But especially when they can't read yet, especially when um, they are not feeling well enough like if they have a fever or if they're just like so uncomfortable like you do whatever you can to get them comfortable and the fact that these sort of screen guidelines which don't haven't even existed since 2016 but people really took them to heart at the time and it's it's carried over is like in like guilting these parents drives me bananas um And so, yeah, that's the other sort of thing is like in between these two camps are these parents that are like, no, it's a thing, but also like just feel guilty about it, basically. Like they don't restrict it, quote unquote, as much as they should, but then as much as they think they should rather. Mm -hmm. And but then they also don't like they feel bad about it. They feel like it's a failing because, oh, instead of paying attention to my kid, I'm letting them watch TV or, oh, instead of enriching my child's like learning space, I'm letting them watch TV. Mm hmm. So part of the reason that this is a problem, and this is actually something that I'm, there's, well, there's two things. The first is that, um, the thing that I like about these new sort of guidelines that I hadn't seen before, which I appreciate is that different media consumption is different. And part of the problem with parents, which I'm, which I know came from the original set of guidelines that they run into is that, they treat all media consumption. They call it screen time, and that makes it seem like it's the same. Right. Um, and then by the same token, even though those new newer guidelines came out in 2016, according to that thing I just read, um, the pandemic fucked anybody's hope of avoiding screen time, right? Sure.
2: yeah.
0: So can you, just off the top of your head, could you like list different... Um, sort of categories that might fall under screen time.
1: Um, in, in a in a kid's life or in in a any person's life.
0: In any person's life, and but also a kid's life, maybe you know, assuming mm-hmm. that they have an adult helping them out.
1: Yeah. So, well, watching television, mm-hmm. which you could you know break down any number of ways into well, what type of content is it, and is it on streaming or is it. Are you watching it on cable? Mm-hmm. Does it have ads or not? I think would be the primary question in my mind if I were the parent.
0: Oh, that's interesting. Yeah.
1: Um, and uh, so, so, but the TV is a screen. Mm-hmm. Um, a computer is a screen. Mm-hmm. And uh, so is a smartphone mm-hmm. and a tablet. And I think mm-hmm. that a lot of kids might have an iPad in the home and... Maybe it's sort of theirs, quote unquote, or maybe they, you know, have their specific apps on it and they have access to it for playing a game or something. So, Mm -hmm. and, um, you know, depending on the age of the kid, um, there are other other video games that might fall outside of those categories because... Mm -hmm. They're not on the television or the iPad or the phone or the computer. They're on, say, like a 3DS, mm-hmm. which has two screens. So that counts for double.
0: <laughs> That's how you count screen time. How many screens are you watching at once?
1: Right. Mm-hmm. Uh, I assume the AAP guidelines get into that. Um, they get into the subject of second screen experiences. and Yeah. Um, is there a section on gooning in the AAP? What's Gooning. I am not going to answer that. Oh no! <laughs> uh, we, we can talk about that later. Um, <laughs> yeah. Um, it, let's see. Have I missed anything? Any other type of? So you you've covered.
0: Um, you've you've definitely covered the different types of screens, which I do think are important too. Mm-hmm. Because, for example, something on a tablet you're probably not watching with somebody, but something on a TV you are. Yeah. Um, the activity, there's one sort of main one that you're missing, but you mentioned the device or one of the devices you could use. So there's could
1: like... Could I say what I think it, like, I didn't say like e-reader.
0: Oh, I hadn't even considered that. But yes, I think that's also important. hmm Um, so yeah, there's like reading a book on a screen. Mm-hmm. There's, um, playing video games or some sort of game. hmm There's watching media like television and movies. Yeah and god you know the very specific genre of children's youtube videos
2: yes
0: and um you didn't mention this i want to bring this up too because i think it's specific but there's like music mm. on a screen which I bring up because there's so much music. I mean, I obviously I love music videos, but there's so much music that have that you can have like a visual element to.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but it's still entirely music-based. Like even if you're just thinking about like Fantasia, which is like a very old movie. Mm. Um, there's like still there's like newer versions of that where it's like music that is appropriate for children with children appropriate visuals. Um, the one thing that you didn't mention is what we are doing right now.
1: Podcasting? <laughs>
0: So the, our, our listeners, our blessed goslings, do not get to witness this because it is an audio medium. But mm-hmm. Will and I are video chatting right now. Right. On Zoom. But there are many different platforms for this, of
1: course. Phone calls is screen time now.
0: Yes, because mm-hmm. most people, when they do phone calls, or a lot of the time, they FaceTime with each other. Right. And so when the pandemic happened one of the things that sort of came from the pandemic was a bunch, a bunch of doctors being like, for the love of God, if your small children want to FaceTime their family members, do that. Mm -hmm. Like, do not count that as screen time. Right. (laughs) Um, So basically everybody agrees that talking to a person on a video screen, especially for a child, as long as they're actively interacting with that person, is good. Um... Something that's come out more recently um, is that, and I actually just read an NPR article on this, is that uh, video games are good. Mm. <laughs> and I know that, um, again, there's like always a level of quality, right? Like,
1: yes, what I would sort say, of... Yeah, I would say counterpoint. <laughs> Have you ever played video games? They're mostly bad. <laughs> <laughs>
0: But the idea is that with video games, obviously there are some ones that are just going to be trash. But, like, in general, you have to interact. hmm And so the idea that, you know, you could be solving puzzles or, um, you know, navigating terrain in a way that you're, you know, you, you know we talk about in Breath of the Wild has sometimes, and Tears of the Kingdom, sometimes the puzzle is just getting a place. Right. So it's not necessarily a puzzle, like, in the shrines, but... Mm-hmm. Um, you know, there's so many, as you and I both know, because we play them sort of board game-esque games that people play as video games now, mm. with their, whether they're card games or yes. um, things that have strategy in that way. Right. Um, and so basically, it's not to say that you shouldn't, like, with any of this, I just want to say, too, I, well, and I'm going to take this back a little bit. At some point – and where this, I think, becomes a problem is, like, at some point you get to a point where it's just, like, not – it's not even actually fun anymore. You're just doing it to do it. Mm -hmm. And that's where I think the parenting comes in. And that's not even my big point here. But I think the parenting comes in when you see that your child is doing something but they're not even enjoying it anymore and then getting them to shift – like, become aware of that themselves and then, like, shift their perspective. Mm -hmm. And then with TV and media – um. Again, I think it comes down to what you're watching. And so this is where, with screen time, this is the thing. This is sort of the point I want to make. The first point. I have a second point later. Uh, Which is that I don't understand why we aren't approaching screen time as a way to talk about art. Mm. And I feel like the thing that drives me so nuts about this Is that when you're talking about screen time as a way, if you think about it as a way to approach art, you can even talk about the stuff that's shitty and making it meaningful. Right? Mm. Okay. So, and this is my sort of thesis here, right? Okay. So, let's say, like, what, what, some of it I think is very obvious. And I think that people just need to, like, get over it and be like this is art and this is good. So like, if I am showing my child Hayao Miyazaki's Ponyo, that is art. And there's a couple of things that need to go into this interaction to make it good. The first is just watching it, right? Um, And I think that part of the problem with screen time is I think that parents sometimes will just sort of let their kids go off with wild abandon and they have no idea what they're consuming. And I don't, I also don't think you need to, what is, what is my general parenting philosophy? Set up a safe structure and let your kid in it. Mm -hmm. And I feel like that applies here too. Like, I'm not saying you should just let your kid have access to Google Chrome and start Asking it, Siri, you know, or whatever to play something because, yeah, they'll probably run into something that could be inappropriate for their, like, developmental level Mm -hmm. and could scare them or something like that. But, like, if you're watching something that's just, like, so clearly, like, the most beautiful thing you've ever seen in your life, which is Ponyo. (laughs) Mm-hmm. not necessarily Ponyo but like Studio Ghibli's movies are like yeah. in generally the most beautiful thing you could ever see in your life
1: right and Ponyo is a good example because it's not for example Princess Mononoke or or <laughs> yeah, The Wind the Rises like yeah. which are ostensibly same genre but but not for kids in the same way Yes, but Ponyo uh, for children lo- Ponyo loves ham
0: <laughs> Ponyo Ponyo funny little fish yes yeah. <laughs> She's just a little girl and she's in love with her friend. And they make a big boat together. And she's mad. And her mother is Kate Blanchett. <laughs> well.
1: I guess if you I guess if you were to put a kid down in front of it, yes, you would probably put on the dub, yeah.
0: <laughs> oh yeah, that's the other thing too. This is a side note, but I remember when the whole subdub um conversation was happening. Like, the first time, because this sort of, like, rotates or whatever. Yeah. Somebody was like, why would you ever watch the sub? And I was like, because I would like my child to see Ponyo when she before she can read? And you mean, the person yeah. just...
1: You, you just made this mistake I make all the time. You sorry. said sub, you meant dub.
0: The dub, right. yes. I, they were like, why would you ever listen to it with the vo- the English right. voice actors? Mm-hmm. And I said... Because I don't think my child needs to wait to be able to read to watch Ponyo. Right. And they literally were like, oh, shit. Like, this person, bless them, had not once in their life considered that maybe the people watching these movies could not read.
1: <laughs> yeah, leave it to a person who's passionate about anime to forget about the existence of children or, or in the, what makes them different from adults. Exactly.
0: <laughs> um but that said the first thing is just like if you pick something that's really high quality the work does itself you know what i mean it's beautiful the storytelling is good everything that you're consuming about it is good as far as i'm concerned but the second thing is that like if you and obviously you and i are coming this from this from a slightly different angle because you and i are, are already aware of like theory so to speak i'll just say very generally about like Narrative arcs, let's say hmm. character plot, mm-hmm. um emotional development. But that said, even if you're not looking at it, even if you're not, that's not the world that you're living in, like you should be watching your program this sort of programming with your children and talking to them about it because it's just watching something is fine sometimes, especially in situations like I mentioned before when your kid is sick. But like in general, it's way more interesting and fun to talk about these things. And so when you're talking about Ponyo, like something that Elliot's always really interested in is how things are made. So like, we've been able to show her like how animation works and you know, something that Miyazaki does really, really well is he has characters like very subtly transform in a way that's like almost imperceptible. Sometimes um, he does this a lot with, he does this with Ponyo obviously, cause she's going from being a little goldfish to being a human girl. Um, But he also does it a lot in, like, Hell's Moving Castle, which we've also watched with Elliot many times, where Sophie will go from being um, older and younger in ways that is, like, really, really subtle unless you're paying attention. And, you know, Elliot will pick up on stuff like that, too. And so, yeah, just talking to your kids about, like, what's happening in the story is something that's going to make their lives a lot easier for school. (laughs) You know, if they're interested in In this sort of thing, then this is something that they will be able to one to one collect connect to their schoolwork, and if you're looking at this even from like a larger perspective, like let's say you have a kid and you they don't care about any creative endeavors and you don't care about any creative endeavors except for watching things, you know what I mean? Like even just understanding like the structure of like how some movies will have like an argument or a sort of thesis or moment that they're building to and then revealing to at the end that in and of itself is something that comes up in business all the time which is like how to be persuasive when you're writing and and talking through something in business and so i just feel like with art that's really good it's so easy to talk through those things and you should be and then then it's not just screen time right then that's just like being a good parent and like talking to your child Mm -hmm. And then finally, too, I mean, related to that, I was sort of more focusing on like um, parts that would be true in a book the same as it would be in the movie, but also just craft. So like Elliot loves also the Nightmare before Christmas. And so we've been able to talk to her about the craft of like the physical crafting of those figures mm. that they made and mm-hmm. how they and how they move them and how they make them. And so now when Elliot's doing her sort of imaginative play that she does and when she's making things, some, you know, when we first sort of showed this to her and showed them how they built everything, you know, one of the things she loves is building little scenes. And so I know that through the conversations with, we've had with her over time, when she's gone through and built, you know, she'll like take all of her toys and arrange them in a really specific way. And then she'll have a character move into that scene that she's created. And so, which is to say, too, that the art of this movie is now translating to her not looking at a screen, right? hmm And I feel like when oh, very often when parents are being so prescriptive in the way that they look at screen time, that they forget that the kids will move what they're learning into the other parts of their life, assuming they're given that opportunity to do that. Does that make sense?
1: Yes, I follow.
0: So then I said to like this, how does this translate then to like if they want to watch something shitty, right? Right. <laughs> something like trashy. Yes. So I guess like what is what is TV that you, or like what is some media that you consume that you would consider something, some, some people might call it like a guilty pleasure, but I don't love that. Mm-hmm but something that you know is like maybe not high art, let's say. Like it's not a Miyazaki, it's not a it's not a Cohen Brothers movie, it's not Wes Anderson, it's not um you know, Greta Gerwig.
1: Thank you for yes, yeah. <laughs> I was like when is she going to name a woman? <laughs> uh, uh something I consume like today myself. Yeah. Or 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 when I or yeah. Or
0: even as a child, yeah.
1: So like for, for like today Like what comes to mind is on a daily basis, I consume stuff that is best described as content Mm -hmm. because it's not scripted. Yes. Including podcasts, but also Game Grumps on YouTube Mm -hmm. and the Go Off Kings on Twitch. And that's just content. That's just people hanging out and talking and the broadcasting of it makes it content and i and i I consume it um and then as far as like when i was a kid what was the question what what, is it an example of trash something that you consumed
0: that... that you know is like not necessarily like high art like nobody would say like this is you know everything about this is sort of crafted in a really specific way, but you enjoy it.
1: I would say like the Pokemon anime,
0: yeah, I was going to say Pokemon, too. <laughs>
1: yeah, specifically the TV series mm-hmm. was like, well, that was not made to be good
0: yeah it was made it was very it was made to show off the different Pokemon. It was very procedural, and yeah
1: and and something that really sticks in my craw. from watching that show as a kid did you watch the show
0: yeah yeah, absolutely yeah yeah
1: do you remember whenever they would stop down to eat Mm -hmm. do you remember what they would eat
0: jelly donuts exactly (laughs) were they jelly donuts
1: i knew that was wrong yeah (laughs) when i was like eight years old yeah and i was like but also, I didn't know what it was.
0: Yeah, it was an, it was an onigiri, for those of you who don't know.
1: Right. I, I, to this day, I find that so frustrating. <laughs> what a stupid thing to do.
0: <laughs> yeah, because it very obviously looks like a rice ball with like a little piece of seaweed on it.
1: And I, I think I could perceive that, but also I had never seen the real life version of it.
0: I didn't see an onigiri until I was an adult, for sure. Yeah. With the exception of it being in Pokemon, right? And even now, I like see onigiri all the time. Like on, I see like images of onigiri, like cartoon images, and I see people make them all all the time on TikTok. Um, but I've only ever been afforded the ability to purchase one once, and I did it immediately.
1: Oh yeah, absolutely.
0: <laughs> Do you know the fun, the cool, pa- the cool plastic that they have for those? By the way.
1: Um, I don't know anything special about that.
0: This is a a side note (laughs) about these, but the triangle one specifically, they have special plastic that they wrap them in that has, um, a piece of plastic between the rice and the seaweed. Mm. And then it's wrapped up. And so when you, um unwrap it you sort of pull a center tab around the middle and you pull it from the sides and okay. so it pulls the plastic away but the seaweed is now touching the rice so mm. that way because what does the seaweed do as soon as it touches the rice
1: well it would get sticky
0: yeah it like absorbs moisture and right. it, it's not as crispy and it gets sticky and right um that's like not necessarily the texture you're looking for or if you are it's certainly not you right. know, after sitting around for like a day or something, or a couple hours, even. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um. But yeah, it's like the most brilliant. It's like the most brilliant little invention is just folding it a specific way.
1: That's cool. <laughs> yeah. To the, to this day, I don't think I've seen that. Um. But yeah, the jo- the jelly donuts and the Pokemon anime. It's just, <laughs> I just knew it was wrong and it didn't make sense.
0: Have you watched One Piece?
1: No, I haven't.
0: So the One Piece live action that just came out on Netflix is really good. Kenny really liked it. And the first episode was, like, very beautiful. Um, but it, there's there's Luffy, and mm-hmm. then there's two other characters that are sort of the main characters, at least in the first episode. And one of them has very bright orange hair, and is I was like, oh, it's, like, misty. Oh, and yeah. then <laughs> <laughs> And then the other one was this other guy who I was like, well, he's not really anything like Brock, and then what's the only thing you see him eat? And Onagiri. Uh-huh. And I literally was like, I, I said to Kenny, you'll love this. I was like, oh, he's eating a jelly donut. Yeah. And Kenny was like, okay, listen. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I, I posted, I don't know if you saw this on Twitter. I posted I did, a picture yeah. of the three of them next to each other mm-hmm. and then the three of them from Pokemon. Right. But yeah, I, I would agree with you. I, I'm trying to think like when I was a kid, I used to watch a lot of like Dr. Phil uh-huh. with my friend Chad.
1: Uh-huh.
0: Um, because it was on... You know, we got off of school at 2.45, and it aired at, like, if not 3, then 3.30. So we would just, like, walk home and put on Dr. Phil and, like, you know, Clutter Pearls or whatever, Mm -hmm. um, drink our Coca-Colas. And um, on snow days, I watched a lot of, like, Jerry Springer specifically. Mm -hmm. Um, Now, you know, I consume a lot of – I consume a lot of, like, TikTok videos, which, you know, may or may not be useful mm-hmm. to my life. I yeah. will say, I, I in general, this is a side note, I feel extremely unbothered by social media.
2: Mm.
0: Like, you know how sometimes people will be like, I'm going to be taking a break from social media. It's just, like, yes. too much for me. I never feel that way. Me neither. And and I also want to say, I never feel that way, but I also, if I am in a situation where I can't access my social media, mm-hmm. I don't miss it.
1: right. Mm-hmm.
0: But I also don't mind consuming it as consistently as I do. I just yeah. feel so good about it. <laughs>
1: right. Yeah. And I would just add to that part of my rationale for uh, feeling that way and thinking it's normal to feel the way that I feel is because um, you just need to um, curate your feed, right? Thank you. Yeah. Thank like, you. Like I control who I follow on social media. and. um it would be it would be a different story, maybe, if I felt an obligation for social reasons or professional reasons mm-hmm. to follow certain people um but I don't like it's been a number of years since I've felt any pressure to engage in like literary Twitter.
0: Yeah, and even me engaging in literary Twitter for me is totally fine because right. I engage with the people that I like and I ignore the, everybody else.
1: <laughs> and there are some people who I follow, but uh, and and if you were to look at my social media, you could see who I follow, but you can't see who I've muted. Yeah. And so there are some people who I follow not because I'm interested in reading their posts at all, but because it's some kind of a courtesy. Yeah. And then I have secretly muted them <laughs> because I don't care to read what they say. That's not what I'm on the app for. But I gave them a follow as a courtesy for one reason or another.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I just feel so fine about it. And it's in part because, like, so much of what I see on TikTok is educational. And I see plenty of jokes. Too, you know and what I mean? That's
1: what I'm on there for. For jokes? For jokes.
0: <laughs> yeah, exactly.
1: Yeah. To be specific about who I'm following and what I'm curating, I'm just looking at it to get some yucks. And, I, and so I'm just following people who write funny posts yeah. and post on there pretty regularly. And it's usually pretty funny.
0: Yeah. I like, I'm learning about like mushrooms and. Um British history and have you seen the Roman Empire? Yeah, you you've seen the Roman Empire.
1: I was I'm... asked the question, which yeah. is how I learned of the phenomenon.
0: Did I tell you what Kenny said? Or did I... Sarah tell you what Kenny said? Sarah
1: told us, yeah.
0: <laughs> My brother said constantly. Great. I saw a TikTok yesterday where it was a man asking a woman a question, I hypothetically his wife or girlfriend. And he said, hey, how often do you think about your ex-best friend? And, Will, it was a knife in the heart to me. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> it was like, okay, you got me. Mm-hmm. Yep. <laughs> Which one?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: <laughs> but anyway, where, where was I going? Okay, yeah. So I that was the sort of media I... And
1: just for the podcast listener, Kenny's answer was he currently has browser tabs open.
0: For Ziggurat. And Uruk, Mm. Uruk, U-R-U-K. Okay. And what Kenny said, what Kenny said to me, because we were talking about this at a party today, at the children's party today with another set of parents that I really like. And what Kenny was like, what the guy was saying is the guy that we were talking to, the dad, he was like, I just feel, he's like, I don't think about the Roman Empire that much at all. He was like, but it feels like a lot of the people who are, the dudes who are thinking about it are thinking about it from like a, like they had so much power. How did they lose it? And Kenny was like, oh yeah, I'm thinking about it like largely architecturally. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is like, and Kenny, Kenny also is very interested in it because he's like, there are cities built on cities and then sometimes they're digging and they find a city that they didn't know was there and it's like, how did we lose it? Mm -hmm. (laughs) Which is very Kenny of Kenny.
1: Yeah. Um, I've had days to think about this and I don't (laughs) think that until the hearing you just say what the dad at the party said. Yeah. I don't think it crossed my mind that like, oh right, perhaps the primary reason to think of it is we are periodically sort of often reminded we're in a, we're in a sort of empire and our yeah. own empire might be irreversibly in decline. So you might look to history for like uh, <laughs> <laughs> how bad was it then? And how much does it look like now?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I I consume media like that, too. And I just feel like the what I have to ask myself when I'm consuming media like that is what about this media, which is not enriching my life per se, like it's not enriching it in the way that um, something that's like thinking about mortality or beauty or something like that, or human rights or the human experience Mm -hmm. is. And then from there, I I can be like, oh, it's providing me with this. And then from there, I can think to myself, okay, so if it's providing me with laughs, that in and of itself is worthwhile. Mm -hmm. If it's providing me with something to talk to Kenny about because I think it's silly – that's providing me with something worthwhile because now I'm having a conversation with my husband Mm -hmm. um, or my friend or something like that. Um, I would argue that um, there's one thing that you left out about your current watching that many people would argue is not necessarily the most high art that you have watched very regularly for many years.
1: Something I've watched very regularly for many years. Are you talking about The Bachelor? Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I don't think of that as something that I watch.
0: But that's what I'm saying is that, like, that's because the thing that you're getting out of that is, I mean, as far as I'm concerned from the one time I got to watch it with you is, like, getting to be with your friends.
1: It's a hangout. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so I think that there is something to be said about that, too.
1: Mm
2: -hmm.
0: Um, With Elliot, do you want to know the trashy shit that Elliot likes? Can you guess, actually?
1: Is it something called Coco Melon?
0: No, she was never a Coco Melon girl.
1: Okay,
0: (laughs) it's worse than that. Coco Melon is like music. Okay, I mean it's it's terrible animation, but there's music. There is there is some sort of something to be said for that. You know what I mean? Uh huh. Um, because the other thing, this is just a small side note too. The other thing to remember about children in general. Is that children love repetition? Mm-hmm. Their brains are small; they do not remember everything because they're literally remembering how to live. I don't know if I told you this, but um, or if you, if I've talked to you, or if you've read it yourself, but like for a long time, they didn't know why young children didn't form memories, and they recently, sort semi recently, figured this out, which is that their brains are too busy remembering how to do things like move their arms or what colors are
2: Mm -hmm.
0: or like how to eat to form memories because there's other shit that they have to like record basically. Mm -hmm. And so children get a lot, you know, let's, you know, if you've watched frozen twice, you've probably, you get it. You know what I mean? But like for a kid watching frozen over and over again, they get a lot out of knowing what's going to happen, knowing how those emotions are going to change, being able to notice different things about the storytelling and the songs because they just can't physically remember it the same way that we can. Right. Um. But no, that the thing that Elliot likes is the genre known as unboxing videos (laughs) and she specifically likes when people are opening like blind bags okay so she really likes a video where somebody has a case so like 24 or whatever of like little boxes with like minecraft toys in them Mm -hmm. and they're just opening them up one by one to see what's inside. Yeah. And she also, which is related she what she calls them is, she calls them toy videos because she also likes videos where people are either playing with toys
2: Mm -hmm.
0: or where they're, like, making something with the toys. So even here we have a spectrum, right? Mm -hmm. From the unboxing video, she really likes the... Serotonin you get from seeing what's in this thing Mm -hmm. Which I get Like this is where it comes down to like You have to ask your question What is your child getting out of this video that they like so much about it Right So what she likes about that Is she gets this little boost of serotonin From seeing all of these different toys be revealed Without having to And she doesn't know this but like pay money You know what Mm -hmm. I mean Like she doesn't actually have to physically have access to these things To be able to get the serotonin over and over and over again This is why adults like unboxing videos too
1: mm-hmm, this is I was teetering very close to having an interest in trading cards,
0: yes, yes, exactly, <laughs>
1: which is obviously in up my alley, yes, I have a stake in that,
0: and then the videos where kids are or adults sometimes are just like playing with toys, so they're like either telling a little story or they're um just showing you their toys and like showing you how they work um that is, I feel like, a little bit of a step up, right? Because now, again, Elliot gets to see things she's interested in, which are toys. She gets to see how they work. She gets to see how they interact with each other. She gets to see the qu- – sometimes they talk about the quality, and that's something that she's interested in. Um, and so I'm like, okay, again, it's the same sort of idea. But now, if because if they're playing with them sometimes, she might get a little bit of a story. And so she can also – so in my mind, what is she getting out of that? Like, how can I make this bigger than what it is? and the answer is i can say something like okay what is happening in this story that then i can translate into Elliot's playtime right mm-hmm. and then the last one which is the sort of best version of this is she like she'll watch videos where people um like will build legos right and so they're or they'll make sort of like elaborate rube goldberg machines in their house she's been watching this one guy who's like british who will build these really elaborate Lego train tracks and he'll like get a pool and he'll like an outdoor pool and he'll like cut a hole in the pool and then put a tube through it and then like glue the tube and then the then he puts like a GoPro camera on the train and it like will go through the tube of water and you get to see it go like underwater or whatever.
2: Mm.
0: And those are just videos about people making stuff, which honestly I'm also interested in. Mm-hmm. <laughs> And again, that helps Elliot think about how to create things. Like, today she was watching a video that was people making tiny little, like, Lego things. Like, they were making, they were like, I'm going to make a lawnmower. And they would make a lawnmower, but it would be out of, like, six or seven pieces of Lego. And so she was seeing this really, like, large, detailed object become, like, a very small version and then she has started making very tiny little Legos where she'll be, like, in her Legos digging around for a really long time. And then she'll be like, look at this little flower I made. Or, you know, whatever it is. This little robot. And it's, a, obviously, you can make a robot that's, like, very complicated with Lego. But she's trying to do it at, like, the most micro scale. So there's actually a lot of editing that has to happen with that. Um, And she gets an idea. She sort of can model that off of this video that she's watched mm-hmm. that's the first that's the thing that i have seen nobody really talk about mm-hmm. which is that like even in the shitty things that people watch whether it be pokemon or whether it be shitty youtube videos just like the trashiest of the trash yeah you have to ask yourself what is my kid getting out of this and how can i then look at it from like an art perspective or a craft perspective
1: Yesterday, I watched a VOD of a Twitch stream by comedian Demi Lardner, who, I don't think I've told you this, but I've been having the thought, the more I consume her content, the the more I think, this is the Australian Liz. (gasps) (laughs) And Demi Lardner was hosting a a game show type stream where she had Mm -hmm. two contestants and... For not the entire game show, but for one specific round, um she had someone uh come into her home where she was hosting the stream, and the participants, the contestants, they were remote, right mm-hmm. like we are now faces on a screen, and Demi Lardner arranged this one round so that for every question they got wrong, uh she got a new ear piercing.
0: Live on the stream. Performance art.
1: Four. She ended up with four. Two in each year.
0: Wow. I don't have any piercings. Wow. Maybe I need to be on a game show on the Twitch stream (laughs) to get my piercings. Mm -mm. (laughs) Mm-hmm. What do you... What do you think of that?
1: Well, it was... was, uh, very special for being, like, stunt entertainment, right? Yeah. And I don't consume a lot of that. I think a little bit goes a long way when it, com- yeah. when it comes to that. Um, And sometimes, and I think part of the reason that I brought it up is because sometimes there's almost more value in one person like me getting to say to another person like you, can you believe this thing I saw? Yeah. There's more value in that than the actual consuming <laughs> of the original <laughs> media itself, which is how yeah. I feel about, like, Jackass. Like, mm-hmm. like, I should have watched Jackass. Like, I'm, I'm the right age to have watched a lot of Jackass mm-hmm. and um, never got into it and... um we've talked before about what kind of a kid I was and I was, and I was religious and I was, Mm -hmm. uh, and I didn't like scary things and I didn't like gross things. But um, yeah, to this day, I think that I don't, I don't know. I'm, I'm person, I'm more interested in how funny it is to hear about the stuff that they did on Jackass Mm -hmm. than to actually watch any of their stuff.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think too. And this is, this is, I think sort of a step beyond the screen time thing, but I think it's worthwhile. But because not every kid has to do the same thing as every other kid, but I think it is worthy to be able to enter the zeitgeist of your youth with the children around you. Mm-hmm. Um, and I know that the some of the children I know that have been isolated from that zeitgeist um, are sad about it. If that mm-hmm. makes sense. Mm-hmm. Um and again, that does not mean that every child should have to interact with every piece of media,
2: right?
0: Um, but like for example, I mean, this is another thing too. Like, I hate. Here's something that I hate that I let Elliot watch. I fucking hate SpongeBob SquarePants. Oh no! I know that it's beloved, yeah. and I've hated it since I was a child. Like I remember that when the first episode aired after like the Kids' Choice Awards or whatever the fuck it was. Yeah. And I just was like, oh, no.
1: We would not have gotten along, and we might not get along now. <laughs>
0: <laughs> oh, no, guys. The podcast's over. Will's breaking up with me. I'll never convince him to get a matching tattoo with me now.
1: When SpongeBob was new, it hit so hard. The, the jokes are so <laughs> funny.
0: I wish that I... I and I, I do know... You know, it's so funny because I've watched... If you want to talk about craft, like I've seen Tom Kenny talk a lot about... He's the voice actor for yes, SpongeBob. That's correct. It's the fact that I know that, mm-hmm. <laughs> but by which I mean, like, I've watched him talk a lot about like voice acting SpongeBob and you know some of the sort of craft that went around the jokes and stuff like that of that show. And I really appreciate all of that, but the show itself just makes me want to like jump off a bridge. Like, I just cannot.
1: It's 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 a little. It's
0: grating. It's grating. Well, to that's me. A,
1: that's the thing. It's a little bit hard to defend. Because there are aspects of it, like, say, the theme song, mm-hmm. that I believe I know for a fact, I'm not making a judgment about it, I'm stating a fact, that they were designed to be annoying, specifically oh, to parents.
0: That's very funny, yeah. Like,
1: the theme song was written so that if you were a parent in bed, you would, be <laughs> you would like, put the pillow <laughs> over your head, right? Like, it's supposed to be loud and obnoxious yeah and i think that's the way spongebob the character is too like his he's very loud his laugh is obnoxious and it, if you don't think it's funny that would be a very annoying I, show I to can't, watch.
0: yeah that's the other thing too is i was like oh i cannot deal with this man's laugh and by man i mean kitchen sponge wearing pants do you but, did i side note did i ever tell you what elliot used to call spongebob i don't recall he used to call him that cheese-wearing pants. Uh uh-huh.
1: yeah, sure. <laughs> because
0: yeah. he didn't she didn't know that he was a sponge. Mm-hmm. She thought he was a cheese block. yeah, yeah. It was cheese.
1: Mhm, for sure. Yeah, yellow and yeah.
0: <laughs> um I'm going to send you a text message or something really quick and we'll put this in the show notes if I remember. Mm-hmm. But um do I have a yeah, like...
1: notification?
0: Oh, wow. I did um dead name X on the podcast I was on. I was like, I'm going to dead name it and call it Twitter because. Uh,
1: yeah, I think you can dead name organizations. It's not a real person. In yeah. the way, if, if you get off and that sort of thing, just <laughs> keep it to organizations. Yeah, Go.
0: keep it. To, if you want to dead name something. And if you, you, just you can must, help yes, yourself, then. Mm-hmm. Get your fix. Mm-hmm. At Twitter.com. Um, when we were at. The death. So we we saw the Death Cab Postal Service show last week, which I told you off air. But for our listeners, um, we took Elliot with us, and she left partway through because it was late. But one of the things she did is she all of a sudden just started drawing SpongeBob and Patrick Star and whoever's house that is. Not SpongeBob's because it's not a pineapple. That's Squidward's uh, house. Squidward's house. <laughs> which also today she she took like a piece of grass and put it over her um, eyebrows. Mm-hmm. It was like like a like a grass. Like, with the seeds at the end, mm-hmm. where it's fuzzy. And she went, well, it's Squidward back here again. Yeah. <laughs>
2: like,
0: okay, that's pretty funny. I'll take that.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but, yeah, so, like, even the show, which I find to be excruciating, just excruciating.
1: I'm literally just making myself laugh thinking about it. It's so funny. <laughs> um... There's this, um, there's this episode, there is, there is a, a recurring character, Squidward has a rival. Uh-huh. You may know this because his name is, Squi- I do. his name is Squilliam, which is yeah. something that a mutual <laughs> friend of ours would call me. Yeah. Um, for that reason. And so the in one of the Squilliam episodes, um, there's a joke where, uh, uh, Squidward is going to be in competition with Squilliam mm-hmm. um like putting something up on stage basically and he's very nervous to go on and he and Squidward in internal monologue tells himself to just picture Squilliam in his underwear and then it cuts <laughs> to Squilliam and then it, like his clothes fade and he's wearing boxers and he has this like chiseled Blue human body with like a six pack, and and, and cuts back to Squidward. Squitter Squidward, Squitter his internal monologue: He goes, "Oh no, he's hot."
0: I do have a favorite SpongeBob episode. Do tell. It's and again, I have not watched the show extensively because I just can't stand it. But I really like the episode where they go to visit Sandy. But they're like, it takes them, they're like drying out. Yes. Mm-hmm. I find it so funny that they are just like suffering so hard. I
1: need it.
0: <laughs> and it's yeah. like so easy to solve and mm-hmm. they're just like too embarrassed. Like I, I really related to that. But yeah. it was also just very funny to see them like have to suffer.
1: There there was, there, there I specifically remember because, you know, it's 30 minutes and that gives you like two episodes, right? Yeah. Of a little M- minute seat. And I specifically remember if you want to talk about favorite episode, I have a favorite like 30 minutes because I remember which two Oh wait like were, how they were like, to And it was unbelievable <laughs> that in the same 30 minutes they they like they, they didn't break these up yeah. to like boost some other like lesser but they put them together <laughs> It's like so confident. And the first one was called Dying for Pie. And the second one is called Imitation Crabs. And in in Imitation Crabs, Plankton uh, makes a Mr. Krabs robot Uh to try and get the formula. And in Dying for Pie, Squidward buys a pie for Spongebob which he eats, and then only after that does Squidward find out that the pie was not a pie, it was a bomb. (laughs) (laughs) Of course. And he thinks it's going to explode and kill SpongeBob, (laughs) and so it's all about Squidward's guilt over this and how Squidward has to, like, give SpongeBob everything he wants so that he has the best (laughs) day of his life before he dies at sunset.
2: <laughs>
0: Gosling's and will is red right now. He's it's, laughing so it's hard. So funny.
1: Um
0: he's wiping tears from his eyes. The, re- <laughs> the, reason,
1: <laughs> the reason he gets him a gift in the first place <laughs> I totally forget what it is. It's like something like coworker day. Uh-huh. And so SpongeBob shows up to work with a really thoughtful gift for Squidward. And it's a sweater and he, so Squidward puts it on and it's really itchy. (laughs) And Squidward's like, what's this thing made out of? And it cuts to SpongeBob and SpongeBob says, eyelashes. And it's it's super obvious that SpongeBob doesn't have any eyelashes (laughs) in the shot when he says it. Um, But Squidward hates it so much that he like destroys it in front of SpongeBob and which causes spongebob to like run away crying and then the next time we see spongebob he's, he's like i made you a new sweater i hope you like it better i made this one out of te- out of tears <laughs> <laughs> he, holds, he holds up like a liquid sweater <laughs>
0: I much prefer you retelling me these Spongebob episodes (laughs) than actually watching them.
1: (laughs) It's like what Jackass is for me, yeah. It was so funny.
0: Oh, my God. Yeah. I'll try to find those episodes and see if I can watch them. Maybe I'll watch those with Elliot, so then we can talk about them. She has started to, I will say, retell us the narrative of Spongebob episodes. Mm -hmm. Something I was
1: very guilty of, yeah.
0: She was like, and then Squidward... Takes sneezes and Plankton goes, whoa, through the sky. Uh-huh. Yeah. <laughs> and then she'll say, Is that funny? <laughs> She's really, really trying to figure out jokes well. Mm-hmm. So she'll be like, Here's a joke. And then she'll just like say some words and then be like, Is that funny? And we're like, you don't there's like a <laughs> there's like instruction here mm-hmm. that you have to do. But yeah, even I what I texted Will, and I'll put in the show notes, is that, you know, Elliot was sitting there drawing these characters. Yeah. And that is meaningful, right? Mm-hmm. It's meaningful to be able to, from the top of your head, remember, because she, she did not have reference photos. Right. Um, remember what something looks like and then draw it and then have confidence from that. And that also helps visit like that. At this age, she's still learning the physical skill of writing and drawing, right?
1: Uh-huh. Right. Yeah, um, that takes practice.
0: Yep. And that takes practice. Um, also, I sent you a photo. There is In that photo, there is a drawing of Squidward. I want to be clear that Elliot did not draw that one. That was uh, one that Elliot did.
1: <laughs> one that Kenny <laughs> or that, did.
0: that Kenny did. <laughs> yeah.
1: Did Kenny have a reference? Because this is really good.
0: Um, I think Kenny did say he had a reference, but mm. he's really good at drawing. Yeah. Like, really good. I will mm-hmm. send you really quick. I did Sandy. Oh, okay. um, and again, we'll put these on in the show notes. I did Sandy, and my Sandy was Okay. But, yeah. like, Kenny can just draw. Like, it's infuriating. He's really yeah. good at it.
1: Kenny's Squidward is very good.
0: Um, Like, I had a reference, and I still didn't get the, like, proportions right. Like, Kenny got all the proportions right. Mm-hmm. And that was, like, in the dark. Like, we were using the light from the giant screens at the Meriwether Post Pavilion.
1: Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's um, a pretty good Sandy.
0: Thank you. Mm-hmm. I, I was actually pleased with how it turned out, but it was, it was no Squidward.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, no, Kenny's Squidward is something else. Yeah.
0: So yeah, that's that's what I have to say about like the the stuff that you think is bad is you have to ask yourself. Oh, this is also worth bringing up because this is sort of how this is sort of why this um uh came to my brain, which is there was that parenting podcast I used to love called The Longest Shortest Time, which no longer exists because mm. they stopped making it. Um. And, in one of the episodes, they had decided it was sort of like an she the hillary um what was her last name, but the host. Um, sometimes would just like record herself talking to her daughter, not for the podcast, but just because she's a pod she's a person that does audio media, so she would just sort of do it.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And from one of those she had this sort of thought and started recording her daughter and then ended up making a podcast episode about it, which was not normally what happened. Mm-hmm. And the question she asked her daughter is her daughter really liked the show Caillou,
2: mm-hmm.
0: which is sort of universally hated by parents. Right. Do you know anything about Caillou?
1: Uh, yeah, well, I know, um, I know th- the funny tweet about it. Um, What's the funny tweet about it? I don't know it word for word, uh, uh, so I'm looking it up. Nope. Um,
0: Caillou, for those of you who don't know, is a bald, small child that, in an animated cartoon, and he is very whiny, and so parents don't like him for that reason.
1: This is from old friend 99 on Twitter. On November 24th, 2015. And the tweet just says, Caillou's dad, colon, parentheses, texting, Caillou is freaking the fuck out.
0: (laughs) Yeah, so like, Caillou would basically like, you know, be whiny and like not listen to his parents and stuff like that. And um, kids love, fucking love Caillou. Mm -hmm. And their parents hate it. and. Finally Hillary Swank, not Swank. That's a woman. <laughs> what is her name? Hillary, I'm going to look it up cuz this is driving me nuts. Clinton. She's <laughs> yes, podcast host. Um Hillary longest shortest. Oh my god, the first thing that came up just only said Hillary on it. Frank, I knew there was a reason I said Swank.
1: Those rhyme.
0: um she asked your daughter um why do you like caillou and she said because he's a kid like me and she said well yeah but like he's kind of whiny and she her daughter was like maybe six or seven at the time i think she was even a little bit older than she really was really the target audience for the show Mm -hmm. and she said It took her a little bit, but she said, but every other show about a kid, the kid is special. Mm -hmm. And her mom was like, what do you mean? And she was like, Caillou doesn't, isn't a superhero. And it suddenly dawned on Hilary Frank that like, yeah, when you're looking at children's media, every single child, it's like, you know, Paw Patrol and the dogs talk, or it's PJ Masks and those kids are superheroes, or it's Ponyo and the girl is actually a fish and her parents are Kate Blanchett and Liam Neeson. Like, um,
1: or like, there's I can think of an example of a show that has been around long enough to be in this conversation. And I think, if I remember correctly, it's just about kids being kids, mm-hmm. but the difference is they don't look human. And the show is Arthur.
0: Yes, exactly. Arthur, it's the same thing where it's like, Okay, Arthur is just about kids being kids, except they're not kids.
1: They're anthropomorphic animals.
0: Yeah. Um, And so, and I mean, I think that this is also why, this is a side note, but like when you get into, the part of the reason those like tween Disney Nick shows were so popular Mm -hmm. is because they were also age-appropriate dramas, essentially. Right. And so, Hillary suddenly realized... Like, oh, the re- the thing that my kid is getting out of Caillou is that this is a show where she sees herself as like, this kid doesn't have superpowers, this kid is- doesn't have magical creatures that it carries around. This kid isn't um, doesn't get to make wishes. Um, this kid lives in a normal neighborhood like I live in and has normal problems, and I'm watching those problems play out, which is annoying for me as a parent. Because I find this kid makes me want to like throw a shoe at the wall, but like, for her it's a it's a drama it's mm-hmm. it's a dramatic serious television show
1: right and if the and if the circumstances were just a little different, like if the year was a little different and if the ages were a little different, then like Doug might be that show mm-hmm. or hey, Arnold was also just about kids. And like especially if you were in a city. Yeah. Uh then hey Arnold is like representation for, for you.
0: Is that what your bedroom was like?
1: <laughs> no. <laughs> no. Um, of, of course I uh of course I thought I lived in the suburbs.
0: Oh, sweetie.
1: <laughs> because I lived in Queens and because Manhattan is the city.
0: That's true. Yeah.
1: And it was um, not until I was like I don't know.
0: In like you were at Susquehanna? no, I
1: honestly like I don't think I accepted it until I was in grad school. I was gonna say like <laughs> I think I was like twenty three before I was sufficiently convinced that uh, you had been in a city that I, I that I did not grow up in, in a suburb.
0: Well, and to be fair, that makes sense actually to me because Susquehanna is so rural comparatively. That um, you probably were like, yeah, there's the rural town, which is Sealands Grove.
1: Mm-hmm. There's
0: the suburb, which is Queens.
1: <laughs> yeah. And I still like I to this day, I can't say like, yeah, I've occasionally been in a suburban area. But like, when have I ever spent any significant amount of time in a place that, that I would actually call the suburbs? Yeah. Um, it's also,
0: I mean, by the same token, Kenny always calls me a city girl because I grew mm-hmm. up, but I didn't grow up in the city limits of Harrisburg, which is not, it doesn't really matter. But like I was technically, even though I had the Harrisburg mailing address, I was in the suburbs. Mm-hmm. Um, but he'll be like, yeah, you could get pizza delivered to your house. So what a city girl.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, because where he was, they still don't have food. I mean, I think that they might maybe just now in the past five years have food delivery. Mm-hmm. Um, but I yeah I grew up sol- solidly in the suburbs. Uh huh. So yeah, um, I think that that's like I think that that's just a really important way, and I think it's important. It's you know it's important for for screen time. It's important for like okay, why is my kid watching this thing? What are they getting out of it? How can I enhance that? Or how can I give that to my kid in a way that's less annoying to me? If you really hate something, <laughs> mm-hmm. um. But I also just think it's, like, important in general to ask that question about the things that your children like because they don't have the critical thinking skills to fully commu- – sometimes they will. You know what I mean? Like, sometimes Elliot will be able to say to me, like, like for a lot – like, here here's a great example of how this plays out not with screens or media. Elliot has been insistent for the past year and a half that she does not like cake. Mm. She likes cake pops. Hmm. But she's not a, She's like, I don't like cake. No, thank you. Like, we're at a birthday party. I don't like cake. No, thank you. And then, so this year, last year, she didn't eat any of her cake for her birthday. That's when this first came up. As I said, Elliot, did you did you like the cake? She said, oh, I don't have any. I was like, what? It was your birthday cake. And she was like, yeah, I don't like cake. And I was like, okay. So then this year for her birthday, I said, what do you want for your birthday since you don't want cake? And she said, maybe cupcakes.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And I said, um, <clears throat> Elliot, cupcakes are cake. And she said, yeah, but they're small. And I was like, what? You've been so consistent and insistent that you do not fucking like cake, kid. What do you mean you want cupcakes? And then a week. And so I'm thinking about this, right? I'm like trying to figure this out because it doesn't make sense. And, I, you know, whatever. Kids are also allowed to be hypocrites. But like,
1: Yeah, it doesn't need to make sense. Yeah.
0: But this was particular because she was very explicitly asking for cupcakes. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, well, I'll I'll make them, but like, I don't want to make something that you're not going to eat. And then for your birthday specifically. (laughs) Right. And then um, we were at Dunkin' Donuts and she loves the munchkins more than anything else. Mm -hmm. And she was like, I love munchkins. They're so little and easy to eat. Mm -hmm. And I said, Elliot, do you not like cake because it's more difficult to eat than cupcakes? And she said, yeah. That's exactly it.
1: And, and so now she's having
0: cupcakes. <laughs> okay,
1: yeah. And so but then what makes it more difficult is she have difficulty with a fork.
0: I think that she likes that she can hold a cupcake in her hands.
1: And she and using utensils is is more, more difficult, difficult mm-hmm. and
0: cumbersome and just not worth right. it for how yeah, good it is. Yeah, just wouldn't
1: would rather not deal with it than yeah. then have the cake and deal with it. Yeah. Sure.
0: Um and now she gets to have her cake and eat it, too, because it's easy, because it's a cupcake.
1: Mm-hmm. <laughs> As it should be, yeah.
0: Okay, but here's my final sort of, like, point. Here's my final sort of thought about this whole thing. Um, which is that um, fuck time limits. Okay. Fuck them. Sure. Fuck them. Mm-hmm. I don't give a shit. Let children explore into wild abandon fucking television and Mm -hmm. movies and video games and I don't give a fuck and I'll tell you why Mm -hmm. (laughs) I have had so many interactions with parents and there's a lot of questions to be said about um, or a lot of things to be said too about like overscheduling kids where in part they're like you get this amount of Screen time or tech time or whatever it is a day. And then you have to go do something else. And I just don't think that makes sense. Because they are children. And it is fun and good to do deep dives into shit. Mm -hmm. Like having to play a video game for 30 minutes sucks. (laughs) Mm -hmm. That's not enough time. Yeah. And they're young. And... If they don't have time, like they should have the time to do nothing and just watch something that's trashy for two hours. And I think it's good mm-hmm. <laughs> for them to be able to make wild decisions like that. Sure. Like to make the decision that the thing they're going to do today is, you know, play Tetris for four hours straight, you know? Mm-hmm. Like. Who gives a shit? Like, and the thing that I, because when you're an adult, you will not have the time to do that in the same way. Mm -hmm. And even now as a kid, Elliot doesn't have the time to do that in the same way because she has school. But like, I feel like being able to take the time to deeply investigate something. Like when I just think about too, like the amount of time that I spent just listening to an album with my headphones on and my eyes closed mm,
2: mm-hmm.
0: as a young person. Right. Or the time I spent God playing Neopets. Who get get just do it? Mm-hmm. <laughs> they have so much other because because and this this is this is part of it too, I think that it's useful. I think it's useful to let their brains do what they want to do and have that freedom, have that independent ability have that agency to control the way that they're like moving through the world in this again structured safe environment I'm not saying to give your kid an iPad with Chrome and now they can just look up like beheadings or something because that will fuck them up right. but like yeah let them do a whatever for a long amount of time mm-hmm. um because I think that it's good for them to figure out what the fuck they like
2: mm-hmm
0: and also or Because I also think that there's something incredibly... I I feel like there are behaviors that end up being restrictive that are not good for kids. Where, like, suddenly they think, like, well, I can't do this too much. And then it becomes, like, like, a weird sort of thought pattern for them, right? Where they feel there's, like, a restriction that they feel. And then, you know, there's the sort of trope that, like, kids go to college and then they do whatever they want anyway and they can do it too much. But, I mean, not even just that. Just, like... I don't want children I don't want children to to feel like guilt or stress around doing something that's just like essentially harmless too much. I mm-hmm. think that it's the wrong way to train your brain. I think that it's better to um when you notice like for example the times that I will make Elliot stop watching something um that isn't because we're going someplace or we're we have something to do or something like that is when I notice that she's not actually sitting still. So, like, if Elliot is not, no if, she, if Elliot's eating breakfast or whatever, and she's sitting on the couch and she's watching TV, and then she's done eating breakfast, and now suddenly she's leaning against the couch, and she's sort of, like, not sitting on the couch, but she's not on the ground either, I'm like, first off, that drives me nuts. That's one thing that I just can't fucking handle. Like, somebody not actually sitting on a chair the right way drives me crazy. Okay. <laughs> but when she starts acting like that and acting antsy, that's when I'm like, okay, we're going to move on to something else. But I also will say to her, Elliot, you're not really watching this. You're not really getting pleasure out of this anymore. You're not sitting calmly. You obviously want to do something else, but you're just stuck. You're glued to the TV because it is asking you to be glued to it, right? It's like training you to do that. And so there have been plenty of times now because, and again, not every kid's different. Some kids need more of this than others, Especially kids that maybe have neurodivergencies that haven't been fully assessed or figured out yet. But um, for the most part now, Elliot will do something until she gets bored of it and then move on. Mm -hmm. So Elliot will... And this is, again, this is where with parenting, because, because a lot of those, like, especially the trashier stuff that's on YouTube or whatever, is designed to keep kids watching. That's where you as a parent... I do think it's a... That's the parenting. The parenting is saying this is not good for you anymore because you are not actually responding well to it anymore. So let's go do something else. But like, Elliot will do something sometimes for two hours and then be like, I'm bored with this. And then she'll go play with Legos for another hour and then she'll draw something. You know what I mean? Like, I think there's something to be said for letting kids do something to the point that they're bored with it and then move on. Mm -hmm. Even if that is sometimes longer than maybe you think that it should be. Um, But then the other thing And this is sort of like my second revelation here, uh, after that we should be viewing this shit as art, and the fact that we're not viewing it as art is our own failure, is that it's fucking capitalism to be restricting things in this way, right? Mm -hmm. It's fucking capitalism to say to your kid, you can't watch this because it's not productive. Fuck off! Like this is my biggest reason for like letting Elliot watch those fucking YouTube videos is like, obviously I want Elliot to like grow and develop as a person. And that comes in when I am doing things like talking to her and creating art with her and like sitting with her while she draws and knitting her things and showing her processes, like showing her the behind the scenes videos of how things like she, we watched ET for the first time the other day with her and she wanted to know how the kids flew. And so we got to show her about green screens, right? Like, there's that, and I think that that's good, but by the same token, the fact that you think that every single thing you put in front of your child has to be productive is bullshit, and it makes me so mad. Like, fuck off if you think that every single piece of programming needs to be teaching them a fucking skill. Right. Um. And this is, like, gets back to the overscheduling thing. Like parents, and I I get where the pressure's coming from, especially with with college, like parents will be like, I had a coworker whose kid would have a snow day and she'd be like, what's your schedule for today? And she would make him hour, half hour by hour or whatever, explain like, I'm going to do this. And then from this time to this time, I'm going to do this and I'm going to get this homework done then. And I was like, why don't you just let him watch TV all day? He doesn't have school he's 13 he's 14 he's 15 why are you making him tell you his schedule for the fucking day he's a child he does not have to conform to these capitalistic expectations that every single second of his day be fucking productive and even the ones that are relaxing are productive because it's allowing him to be more productive later
2: <laughs> mhm
0: and so um that's yeah that's my thought on screen time is like there are ways that you can approach it that are nuanced and sort of allow for almost every kind of child-appropriate media Mm -hmm. um, that are going to be nourishing and nurturing and help your child's brain expand and learn in ways that will help them in their lives, that will help them in their bodies, that will help them in general. But by the same token, the idea that we have to think about this in such a way as to be productive makes me want to like kill someone
1: (laughs) right (laughs) yeah i've been struggling with this just internally for myself a little bit and struggling might be too strong of a word but i've been thinking about it
0: you've been considering it
1: quite enough yeah um and i guess maybe the maybe the reason why is because of the pandemic and because circumstances were different for a while mm-hmm. behavior adapted to the circumstances to be different for a while and while it became very easy to do certain things um, other things kind of might have fallen by the wayside
2: mm-hmm, mm-hmm.
1: and now I'm sort of doing some evaluation of like the extent to which that matters to me mm-hmm. so like in the in the pandemic it like For years pre-pandemic, I had Game Grumps. And Game Grumps have varied over the years in how much they upload. Mm -hmm. But it's like, okay, a new video to watch every day Mm -hmm. won't consume a whole lot of time, but it's it's there. Yeah. In the pandemic, it's like, okay, I found a Twitch stream That even if I don't watch it live, Mm
2: -hmm.
1: I made a habit of watching the VOD like the next day or within a few days. Mm -hmm. And that can be like two hours.
0: Yeah. Mm -hmm.
1: And then in the last like year, they like doubled how much they are streaming. Mm -hmm. Now their content like the game grumps and like a podcast Mm -hmm. is something easy, very easy to consume in a kind of secondary way.
0: Yeah. Where you're like cooking or it's on in the background and I do
1: something else primarily. But the more that the, the the more that I have let myself do what I feel like doing Mm -hmm. and, and, Tell myself what you are telling the listeners about being a parent about like, hey, if you got free time, it's not important for you to spend that productively. Yeah. And if you focus on productivity as like a goal or a mindset, that's, you know, capitalism creeping into the way you approach your whole life Mm -hmm. instead of just your work. And the the more I've let myself live like that, the more I've been like, I'm going to do what I would like to do with my free time, the less I have read books.
0: Ah, yes. Yeah.
1: I I basically no longer read books Mm -hmm. with some exceptions. Mm -hmm. And occasionally I do, but I no longer have a habit of it and I no Mm -hmm. longer make myself have a habit of it Mm -hmm. um and i've and and i the the, sort of the reason i bring this up is because i am in this the reason i'm considering it so much is because i'm in this headspace where i haven't made a decision about whether i care about that or not
2: Mm -hmm.
1: like i have i i i cannot neatly cleanly come to a conclusion about like I know that reading is supposed to be good for me and it's supposed to be better for me than content like Uh the TV and like podcasts and like video games but is that enough to make me do to make me live my life differently to where Mm -hmm. I like create a book's routine the way that I have an exercise routine? Mm
2: -hmm.
1: Or do I just sort of lump it all into like, well, it's all entertainment. And Mm -hmm. so I'm going to do whatever I feel like doing to entertain me. And occasionally that'll be a book. And that's a good thing. But I'm not going to put any pressure on myself to pick up a book because it's a book when instead Mm -hmm. I could play a video game. And that and I just bring that up because it's in my in my consideration of this behavior i I've tied it in with the the productivity mindset thing, yeah, I think that's and, a good question, and trying to negotiate the extent to which that is a prison and the extent to which it might help me with my life, yeah, and help me do some things that maybe I should do,
0: and I think too, I mean, I think this comes back to like the sort of, instead of thinking of it rigidly, you have to think about, like, what, you know, the same questions I was saying that you'd ask for Elliot. Like, what are you getting out of it? And is that, like, something that you're getting out of the other things that you're consuming? So, like, I know, too, um, Kenny listens to a lot of, Kenny reads a lot, um, and he reads a lot of manga right now. He has his extensive spreadsheet that he kept hidden from me for a year and a half. I say kept hidden from me. There was no reason for him to show it to me, but one day I looked over at my computer and was like, what is that spreadsheet? And then I was like, is that a spreadsheet of all the manga you've read? And he was like, shut up. I can hear it coming out right now. <laughs> um, but, he, you know, he still reads novels and stuff, too. And, um, But he also listens to a lot of audiobooks, because he listens to them when he's cleaning and when he's cooking and when he's doing those things and I know for him um novels he gets the same thing out of listening to it in those same sort of circumstances that you're talking about as he Mm -hmm. would physically reading it Mm -hmm. um and in fact part of the reason he is reading manga is because he can't get that right he has to look at it yes um and yeah I, I I, I think that it's worth, you know, also just sometimes trying something, trying something. hmm And then if it's serving you, you can keep doing it. Right. And if it's not, you can stop. And then you can try again later if you care again enough. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um. But yeah, like, I know that some of the most, like, mind-numbing sort of Things I've ever had to read in my life have been, like, business articles that talk about, like, I wake up every morning and I read for 30 minutes and then I do this and then I do that. And some people, I think, do maybe need particular structures. Like, I'm not dunking on the structure itself, but... Yeah. But I think that...
1: Yeah, sort of, like, my thing is, like, why would I come up with a daily routine like that when... There's going to be a lot of variety in, like, how each day is going to go. Yeah. Like, I like I go to work some days.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: So, what am I going to do? Create a Saturday routine and a Sunday routine and a Monday routine? Like, no. Like, I'm going to sort of play it by ear. But the other reason that it's a negotiation is because I do have a pretty strong, serious part of my brain that sometimes really makes me feel bad when I think I didn't make the best use of a unit of time. Mm
0: -hmm, mm -hmm.
1: And that doesn't mean literally being productive. Yeah. But it's like, I can use the language of productivity to describe my behavior, just like watching YouTube videos and playing video games. Mm-hmm. And if I know that I have like a certain amount of time between now and the next thing that's going to happen to me, that's going to interrupt what I'd start doing now, mm-hmm. then I'd better find a video that is just the right length of time.
0: Yep. And if mm-hmm. I
1: put that video on and then I'm actually interrupted five minutes before it's over, then that does psychic damage to me where I'm yeah, like, well, for sure. well, fuck, I, I, I <laughs> fuck this up because I watched the wrong video.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And I want to say too, like, I am not, you know, I'm not immune to the productivity machine. Um, I'm trying, you know, in my job, I'm trying to be really, um, because I need to make money and I need to live and I need to catch up to inflation and I'm not catching up to inflation. Like we're all losing to inflation. And, um, I, you know, try to be very specific at work about the work I do and try to talk to people about certain things so that maybe I can get more opportunities and all that sort of stuff. But I know that one of the things that I, one of the ways that I think I am sort of damaged, um, is that I, I actually do have trouble just watching something at this mm-hmm. point.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, and I'm not, if it's something like really that I'm really, that it's not, that's not a totally true statement because if it's something like, you know, if I go to a movie theater, I'm not sitting there tip tapping my toes or something like, but um, if I'm sitting on the couch, like one of the reasons that I, um, and this sort of goes both ways, but like if I'm knitting, I'm knitting in parts so that I'm doing, I, cause I can do both. Mm-hmm. It's like, and you, I, I don't know if you've seen the, the trend of girl math.
1: Girl math. Now I've heard of girl dinner, but I haven't heard of okay. girl math.
0: <laughs> girl math is. Let me give you an example of girl math. Um. A woman. They started on this Australian radio show. I think it's Australian radio show. And um, one of the sort of segments they did was a girl, a woman called in, and she was trying to justify the money. She had spent like $6,000 to fly to see Taylor Swift in mm-hmm. Australia. And they, she was like, can you justify, can you do, can you girl math this? Hmm. And the woman was like, well, you know, you're going to Australia, so already you're saving money. Because if you had flown You know, you're flying domestically. If you had flown to what's the next closest place? Paris? If you had flown to Paris, it would have been way more expensive. So already you've saved money there. And then are you, do you think you're going to take videos of this tour? And she was like, yeah, yeah, I'll be, I'll probably take videos of the whole thing. She was like, well, you rewatch those videos. That's, that's right there is like another concert. So every single time you watch your videos again, it's like you're taking the cost and dividing it. Mm-hmm. by the number of times that you've watched the video.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: And so, like, sometimes sometimes they'll even, when they're doing girl math, will end up being like, um, really, you've made money. Mm-hmm. <laughs> right. And my sort of girl math is, if I'm knitting and watching something, it's almost like I've yes. done two hours of activities in one hour. My right. God. Mm-hmm. Um, now by the same token, knitting or crocheting with absolute silence sounds like hell to me. Sure. <laughs> so it's not totally, that's not totally fair, but, right. um, but even like at work, I'm almost always listening to music or, or I used, to, I don't listen to as many podcasts as I used to. I mean, some of them, some of the ones that I listened to really sort of consistently are now defunct, like the longest, shortest, shortest time. But you know, it used to be that when I was working, it was like, I can't edit and listen to nothing. I have to edit and listen to five podcasts in a day. (laughs) Right. Um, So yeah, I'm definitely not immune to that either. And I'm aware of that. But um, again, I think it comes down to, and this is true of us as adults and this is true of children. Like, what are you getting out of it? Are you doing it all the time? Or are you also doing other things? And is it bringing you joy in this hellscape of capitalism that demands so much from us and provides so little in return? And I think that a lot of the times when you're looking at it that way, and then also looking at these things, Oh, because this is, I guess this is like one other tiny point to make, which is that it's difficult. I think, especially with children's media because so much of children – and this is true of, of adult media too, but not in the same way – is so commercialized right. where it's like, you know, you're watching Paw Patrol, but then there's three million Paw Patrol toys you can buy, right? Right. Mm-hmm. And so I think that you – there's some sort of – I think there's some sort of like snobbery around showing your kid – fucking Miyazaki as I keep using that as an example because it really is just the gem of like the fact that we get to live at the same time as that man is is unbelievable mm-hmm. but um you know like there is Ghibli merch but like not nearly in the same way right? right it's not like you're watching the show to buy the toy you're watching the show and then god forbid you see a totoro backpack and you're like fuck right. <laughs> you know like um and so there is some amount of snobbery as like the stuff that is commercialized is not art and the stuff that is not as commercialized is art. And I think that you, you just can't, you can't do that. Like we're, we're all older than that. We don't need to be talking, We don't, you know, we don't need to be talking about posers anymore. You know, um, if you look, if you, I really do believe that if you look at it and you say, you know, what is the art here? What is the story? What is the craft? What is happening here? What is my kid getting out of it? What am I getting out of it? um, I think that you can walk away from most experiences um, without feeling like gross or guilty or bad. And um, like you've maybe experienced some joy. And I think that's what we want our children to do in the end is experience joy.
1: Yeah, it's uh, better than the alternative.
0: Suffering. From
1: what I've heard.
0: Malaise. Melancholy.
1: Ennui. (laughs)
0: an a word I never know how to say. Mm. I say enway.
2: <laughs> segway, yeah.
0: Uh, looks, well, well that seg mm. will... Uh... <laughs>
1: seg to the end, yeah.
0: Yeah, do you have anything else?
1: Um, Cloud Strife rides a segway in the new trailer for the new Final Fantasy game. No. just came out a few days ago. <laughs> Uh, yeah, no, I think that that, uh, sums it up. Uh, nice. well, well said, illuminating and, uh, yeah, listening to it was a, a good use of my time. Yeah. And the listeners as well.
0: I hope so. I will say, I don't know where I stand on sports as screen time just because I fucking hate sports, but we don't have to talk about that.
1: <laughs> mm, maybe later.
0: <laughs> yeah. Well, Will, I love you, and the next time I see you, I will be hugging you and your very tallness and maybe taking another photo where I take a selfie and you can't even see your head because (laughs) of the angle.
1: Mm -hmm. I'm looking forward to it. I love you, too. See you soon.
0: See you soon. Bye. Bye. Will is on Twitter and Letterboxed at Youngest of One, and his website is williamhoffacker.com.
1: You can find Liz at exclamate on Instagram, at exclamate underscore on Twitter or on her website, ElizabethDianamorrisLakes.com. Our website is smugbuds.com and the podcast is at smugbuds on Twitter and Instagram.